time for the 123rd QuackCast. I used to have this big intro with the QuackCast, but it gets so boring doing an intro. I just like to jump into the heart of it. Although there are people who have said they miss my son's guitar solo. My son won't let me use his music unless I pay him. No way. This one is called A Different Perspective. Placebo's Scam and Advertising. Summertime, time, time. Child, the living's easy. The fish are jumping. and The handicap lord handicaps so high, so high. Janis Joplin. Kind of. It is summer. Time for the kids and outside, not the computer. What follows is a summertime quack cast, for which I admit to feeling guilty for the comparatively little time I have spent on it. But as I have said before, I have never seen a dying patient who has told me, Doc, I wish I had spent more time at work. Mount Hood has been a consistent feature to the East my entire life. The mountain, on a clear day at least, is Portland's most impressive geologic feature. If you are in the right part of the city, you may see Mount St. Helens or tips of Jefferson, Adams, and even Rainier, but Mount Hood dominates. It is a solitary mass of diminishing ice and snow, only 50 miles from where I live. I have spent uncountable hours hiking in the Mount Hood wilderness. And when I think of Mount Hood, in my mind's eye, it's always from the perspective of West Portland looking east. As is our habit, we spent a week of summer vacation in Sun River, just south of Bend, Oregon, on the eastern side of the Cascades in the Oregon High Desert. If you drive north-south on Highway 97, you see Mount Hood in an entirely different perspective. From the high desert, you can see huge swaths of the Cascades, calderas, mountains, lava fields, and cinder cones. And you see Mount Hood differently, not as a single mountain to the east, but part of a chain of recent and distant historical activity along the Rim of Fire. Photographs do not do the view of the Cascades justice from that vantage point. The eastern view puts Mount Hood into a broader geologic and time perspective. It's still the same Mount Hood, it's just a different context. Like running into a nurse outside the hospital, you have to recalibrate the context in which you understand and know the person. I have written extensively on placebo, the placebo effect, and its relationship to scams. To my understanding, the preponderance of the literature indicates that there is no placebo effect upon any objective medical problem, it only results in a change in the patient's perspective of the problem. The placebo effect is, as I have mentioned before, the beer goggles of medicine. I look a lot better and am infinitely more amusing if you have consumed a pint or two of mirror pond. But in reality, I remain the same. Of course, for treating pain, a change in perspective can be of benefit. Depending on whether or not you are an ends-justifies-the-means kind of gal, placebo outside the context of a clinical trial is not ethical since it requires lying to the patient. Scams are usually no better than placebo in well-performed trials and have no efficacy in the treatment of any disease. There has been a tendency to suggest that when a scam has the same outcome as a placebo but is doing better than nothing, then the effect of the scam is due to the powerful placebo effect. I have this long-standing rant when I do an infectious disease lecture. 
and feel sorry for the residents who have to hear this year after year, that the only thing in medicine that has 100% sensitivity and specificity is when a healthcare provider uses the terms big gun, strong, or powerful in relationship to an antibiotic. It underlies the fact that they know nothing, zip, zero, zilch, about the treatment of infectious diseases. It is always the mark of profound infectious disease ignorance. Similarly, if someone refers to the placebo effect as powerful, they are equally guilty of imitating Jon Snow. That is a Game of Thrones reference, at least when it comes to altering physiology. I would be the last to argue that the interaction between the patient and the physician is not important. What is said and how it is said is very important in numerous ways, as long as it stays within the bounds of honesty and reality. Part of my job is to sell a particular course of action to a patient. I do not want to leave anyone nonplussed as to the use of the word sell. I'm not talking monetary exchange. I'm using it with the definition to persuade another to recognize the worth or desirability of something. Someone sees me, I give them my opinion, and I tell them what they need to do, and I need to sell it. I need to convince people that I know what needs to be done diagnostically and therapeutically, when I do. Sometimes I don't know what I'm going to do, and I tell the patient that. But interventions can be painful, expensive, and prolonged. Telling someone we need to take out their artificial hip, get a six-week course of IV antibiotics while at a nursing home, wait for another few months, and only then get another hip, is no small undertaking. Part of the placebo effect is, I suppose, the changing of the patient's perspective, part of cheerleading and encouragement you need to do to coax people through what can be very difficult times. Although I have not considered placebo within this term before, my interventions with patients are a form of advertisement where I choose my words that help convince patients that their therapies are working and effective. I'm trying to generate a positive placebo effect, I suppose. I guess we could call them antibiotic goggles. What started me thinking about placebo and advertising was a curious reference I ran across, sent to me by a colleague. Advertising impacts the physiologic efficacy of a branded drug. The study is curious, and I think the results are spurious, moistly, moistly? <laughs> mostly noise of questionable significance rather than a manifestation of a real effect. What they did was give patients antihistamines, either Claritin or Zyrtec, and showed them an advertisement for Claritin. And they found that Claritin was more effective by wheel test where you inject histamine under the skin and then measure the reaction. And the better the antihistamine, the better you suppress the wheel effect. And they found that giving patient an exposure to a Claritin advertisement increased the belief in the efficacy of Claritin and at one time point, 120 minutes only, it was strongly correlated with a better effect. Now, after reading the study, the effect is barely statistically significant and clinically irrelevant results, and is probably just the standard noise of clinical trials. But it does bring up the issue of the importance of advertising 
in promoting the efficacy of placebo effects. As they note in the paper, quote, a small existing literature examines the impact of commercial features of drugs on their efficacy. Previous experiments show that the color, the packaging, and the price of drugs affect their perceived efficacy. And really, what are most scams but advertising an unneeded and useless product to people who do not need it? My perspective of most scams has been focused on the truth and reality of their claims, but truth and reality often have little to do with advertising. I have been shaving for 40 years and never, not once, has a female rubbed my cheek with the back of her hand after a shave. Never. Even though that appears to be a common effect of shaving in most advertising that I see on television. The tools of rational thought and science may not be the best approach for an industry scam that really is based on advertising. I need a different perspective to analyze scams, that of the psychology of desire. Not why people believe weird things, but why they buy weird things. I ran across an enormous number of books and journals all behind paywalls on the techniques used by advertisers to entice people to part their money for sugared water. That may be the paradigm, the perspective of understanding scams, but that will have to wait for a rainy winter's day. I have a tea time with the kids in a mere two weeks before they disappear into school. Gotta run.